Welcome to the Hunt Back Country podcast. Today, this episode is a fun one, and it's with one of you guys, a listener of the show. I got an email last fall from Patrick, and he told me about his first ever backcountry hunts, which happened to be a backpack hunt solo with a traditional bow. Ended up being successful, learned a lot of lessons along the way, had some crazy encounters, like once-in-a-lifetime stuff that you'll hear about in this story. So there's a lot jam-packed into this conversation with Patrick, and I'm excited to share it with you guys. We spend kind of the first half of the episode talking about Patrick's background, uh, shooting, his journey with archery, his training for the backcountry, and more. And then the second half of the episode, we kind of dive into the story of the hunt and some of the wild events that happened along the way. I know you guys will enjoy this one. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If there's anything we can do for you, feel free to send an email to podcast at exomountgear.com or look for the link in the show description that says leave a message. It does help us tremendously if you share the show with a friend or leave a rating or review in the podcast app that you're using. Right now, though, let's dive into this conversation with Patrick. Patrick, welcome to the Hunt Backcountry Podcast. Thanks for uh, joining us today. Well, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's, uh, dude, I, I, I feel like I've said this a lot, maybe not enough, but I love, uh, when we get to talk with listeners and have a cool, unique story. Um, and certainly I, I value the opportunity to learn from the the experts, but I, I love talking with regular guys, getting out and getting after it. And uh, I'm really excited to dive into your story today. But before we do, um, just go ahead and share any personal introduction, background, uh, just so listeners have context a little bit for who you are and where you're coming from. Sure. So I guess I grew up on the East Coast. Um Got outdoors a lot, but not really, you know, no one, I think by the time I was growing up anyway, no one in my family was hunting, although some people had, um, but, you know, spent a lot of time outdoors playing in the woods when I was a kid. And in the last couple of years, um, uh, started to think about doing that more and, uh, actually picked up archery and, uh, through that started to think about hunting more seriously. Um, but now I'm on out on the West Coast, uh, California and Washington. Uh, split my time, um, so lots of opportunities to get out into the mountains here, um, and I wanted to take advantage of that. So when you first uh, got into archery, was hunting a goal, or you're getting into archery purely for archery's sake, at least at first? Um, I, a, a little bit of both, to be honest. You know, I sort of. Um, had in my mind that it'd be interesting to get out and do archery hunting, but I don't think I had a, any kind of concrete plan, um, you know, figured I would figure out how to, how to shoot a bow and take it from there. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And uh, I'm going to like to tease listeners a bit for where we're going. I'm going to read a little bit of an email uh, you had sent us. Um, and it says, I just got back from my own once in a lifetime hunt. It was my first I didn't originally plan for my first ever hunt to be a backcountry backpacking solo traditional bow hunt, much less a successful one, but that's how it ended up being. So again, there's a lot in there. One, you're in California. We don't always done, you know, there's a lot of hunters in California, but it's not like, uh, 
there's different types of opportunities and a different hunting culture there that we don't on the podcast talk about too much. So I'm excited to get into that a little bit, but then you said your first hunt, it's also solo. It's a backcountry hunt. It's a backpack hunt and a tra- traditional bow hunt. So like you went from, you know, starting to hunt to doing a very difficult hunt <laughs> right out of the gate, which is super cool, man. Well, I, I, first I should, I need to say I, I was hunting in Washington. Um, oh, so this I'm, one was Washington. This, this is Washington. Oh, yeah. Okay. There. Um, p- part of the reason why there's such a saga to get to this hunt. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, this, so this was, uh, sort of East, East slope of the Cascades, Washington. Uh, okay. but, um, yeah, I mean, I certainly did not plan to to start out this way, and you know, it sort of was a couple of years in the making. Uh, yeah. But I guess I can dive into that a little bit. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, I started to get into archery and was you know thinking about what to do. Um, you know, looking around for opportunities. I think um, you know one of the more obvious ways, uh, but certainly not the one of the easier ways, is you know to. Uh, start hiking back into, you know, national forests and wilderness areas, that kind of thing. Um, and in, you know, my area, there's not a lot of kind of obvious opportunity. I'm sure if I, I knew what I was doing there, there would be more, but, uh, so I started to think about that, but I, you know, kind of figured I would, you know, get the hang of shooting, uh, you know, at that point, a compound bow and, you know, sort of hunt whitetail, uh, back East when I was visiting my family. Um, and was starting to figure that out. And, um, you know, it was also starting to go on kind of scouting trips or whatever in, in the area out here. But, um, as I was starting to do that and trying to figure out what, <laughs> what to do, since I, I don't know anyone who hunts right now and, uh, didn't really have a lot of guidance. Um, I was, um, you know, starting to plan a trip, um, uh, back East, but, um, and when the, uh, pandemic hit that kind of disrupted some of my travel plans and that ended up not happening. Um, and I also had a couple, uh, wildfires, um, you know, disrupt plans and, you know, I probably should have gone ahead anyway, but, um, you know, it was, it was starting to get on that track of, you know, there's, there's, there's always some excuse, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that kind of pushed my plans out I'd say a year or two. Um, and, you know, by the time I get around to, you know, this time last year, um, you know, I was pretty much determined that I was going to make something happen, but I had no clue how to go about it. Um, and, you know, in the meantime, I'd started getting more into shooting uh, a recurve bow um, and, you know, just enjoy shooting it a lot more than the compound for whatever reason. Uh, and so I, you know, I was sort of debating back and forth about which way I should go on that. Um, but, you know, enjoy the recurve and figured I'd go for it um, as I was getting, you know, sort of not, not competent, but at least comfortable. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned compound and recurve. So when you started archery, which should you start with? And it sounds like you've spent some time with each. Yeah, I started with the compound bow, um, you know, figured that that seems like a sensible place to start. And I definitely having kind of gone through, played around with both, uh, would agree with that. The uh, uh, really enjoyed shooting uh, a couple of different compounds and kind of got comfortable with that. Um, and uh, sort of sad story, I, I dry, did something silly and dry fired my compound at one point. Um, and, you know, I was in the shop for a while getting getting various parts replaced. And 
uh, that was when I sort of really started to get into shooting the recurve because I didn't have my my compound bow. Got it. Was that a how was that transition going from what well, I mean being relatively new to archery either platform right, but then starting with compound and then going to traditional. Um, I definitely it, yeah I, I had the benefit of there's some good pro shops around and I had some uh, lessons or coaching to help me out getting started. I think that that helped a lot, okay. but. Um, I, I think the, uh, getting into, uh, the, the, the recurve was a lot harder to pick up. I think it took me, you know, sort of two solid years of shooting it before I felt like I kind of could reliably hit something, you know, out to 15 or maybe 20 yards or so just in general feeling like I understood, uh, or understand my shooting well enough to diagnose when something's going wrong and start to fix it. Um, you know, sort of getting to that point of being able to re- uh, repeatedly and reliably make shots and understand, um, you know, why I'm missing when I'm missing, figure out how to sh- make more difficult shots, like uphill and downhill, that kind of thing. Uh, whereas the, the compound bow, I definitely felt like, um, you know, a couple, maybe a, a, a summer of solid practice and I was feeling pretty good about it. <laughs> I mean, the, obviously the, the whole archery is a bit of a rabbit hole and there's a lot to say there, but I think just the amount of, um, variability in, you know, what can go wrong on a, a traditional archery shot, it's a lot higher, but, um, in both cases, I just think the, uh, there's bows are so satisfying to shoot. What can I say? <laughs> yeah, no, they really are. So there's a, um, you know, there's a lot of difference. We could talk about archery versus traditional. And again, we're not like going to camp here for the whole podcast and make this the theme but i'm curious to explore it a bit more there's a lot of obviously equipment differences and then technical or call it like mechanical differences in how you shoot um you know the physical aspects of that uh differences obviously in holding and anchor point and form and all that stuff i'm curious though for from your experience to me there's a very different like mental process kind of mindset, uh, between shooting the two, uh, or at least that's how I see it. And I don't have like extensive experience shooting traditional. I've done it just casually, never even hunted with a traditional archery setup, but for you, what do you feel that there's a much different mental process between shooting the two? Yes. Although I I think in a funny way, like one of the things that's, it actually is, I've had a lot of trouble switching back and forth. Um, not even because of the mental differences, but just because you hold and draw the bow in a slightly different way, it feels extremely awkward going from the recurve to the uh, compound bow. Just sort of everything feels like it's in the wrong place as I'm drawing. And so uh, that's actually a huge hurdle to get over. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of the, the foundational things that I learned starting to shoot the compound do carry over but i and i think if i were more experienced with with both but certainly more experienced with the compound i'd have more to say about the differences but i i definitely think that the mindset around kind of accepting imperfection and variability and sort of intuition in your shooting um you know the recurve definitely forces you to learn to work with variability um you know there's nothing it's it's a lot harder to fine-tune things um 
you know, in a, uh, the way you can sort of precisely cite in a compound bone. I think there's like, one of the things I really loved shooting it was like how you could, uh, work with the bow to, uh, you know, a degree of precision, which I just think at least for, for me anyway, uh, you know, the, the traditional equipment just doesn't, doesn't accommodate. And I think that drives a lot of, at least for me, uh, the differences in mindset around, um, having to figure out how to be more intuitive in my shooting. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. That's a good way to, good way to put it for sure. I'm hearing in your process, both with shooting, uh, as well as what you mentioned about kind of spending some time in the field before the hunt. And it sounds to me like some of that was, uh, scouting, if you want to call it that. And by that, I mean, strategic in terms of like locating animals, sign, et cetera, like probably what most hunters think of as scouting, but it sounds like there's an element to that. Maybe in your story, since you were new, you didn't like fully understand all of what you were looking for maybe, um, in the time you were spending in the field, but nevertheless, you were putting time in, in the field. Uh, and I think, you know, whether you call it shooting, scouting time in the field, it sounds like this process of you, deciding to hunt and then getting closer and closer to a hunt and then executing this backcountry hunt that we'll talk about was a process that uh, it doesn't sound like you hurried maybe too much. And I think, you know, what I'm trying to get at is I feel like a lot of guys are in such a hurry and, you know, maybe some of that is social media and just like this idea of success and guys wanting to have that, uh, but it's just not the way it works with hunting, like the process, the mistakes, the time, like all that has to be there really, uh, to become a hunter. And it sounds to me anyway, maybe I'm reading into it that you kind of just embraced that. Well, I mean, all, all credit to my lack of knowledge here, right? Like the, I definitely enjoyed the process of scouting and just being out in the mountains like that, that I think for me is, you know, one of the, the highlights of this. Uh, it's, it's just such an incredible place to be. And the way you get to explore when you're hunting, as opposed to just hiking through an area, um, it certainly changed how I engage with the, with my surroundings and like how much I get out of being somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, even, and, and I think the, <laughs> the way you put it's probably pretty good. Yes. I was like intentionally trying to scout some of these times, but a lot of it, either because I really didn't even know where to start or what to look for, or just because it was more of a, you know, a spontaneous trip or a trip into an area that I wasn't planning to hunt in. Uh, it was just about being out there. And I learned an incredible amount of, you know, less, I made a lot of, I made a lot of really informative mistakes. Uh, informative mistakes. I like that. <laughs> I have to borrow that uh, one. Well, yeah, well, well, well out there. And, you know, I think, um, you know, through, if, if I'd gotten to hunting sooner, you know, if, if, you know, one of my earlier trips had panned out, you know, maybe, maybe I'd look at this differently, but, um, you know, the, just the, the scouting trips that I made it on, like I had some of my most incredible experiences on those trips. And I certainly, you know, ha having the luxury of being able to drive out to the areas I hunt in a couple of hours, um, you know, I learned an incredible amount about the, the country and what to look for. And, 
you know, how to plan my hunts, you know, sort of each trip I'd go on, I'd have a plan for how I was going to go about it. Uh, that would be out the window after the first day. Um, and, you know, by the end of the trip, I'd have a, you know, what, what I would, what I thought was a much better approach. And I'd try that on the next trip and, uh, you know, the same thing would repeat. And so by the time it got to the actual hunting trip, um, you know, even though a lot of stuff went wrong and I ended up having to switch things up halfway through, I think that was part of what kind of got me to a place where, uh, I could even be in an area where that, uh, you know, hunt ended up being successful. Mm. One of the, one of the topics we chat a little bit about that's part of the journey leading up to the hunt was training. Um, and you mentioned specifically that you followed some of the programming, uh, from a book, which is training for the new alpinism, uh, by Steve house and Scott Johnston. Um, and you mentioned, I think you said you heard that on the podcast. It's one of those, uh, books and they have a couple books, um, that I've had an interest in and I've followed some of their stuff, especially from Steve, uh, you know, articles, podcasts, different thing like that. I actually haven't read the book though, even though it's been sitting on my reading list for quite some time. Uh, but I'm curious, what did you pull away from that? What did your training look like based on uh, the knowledge that's in that book? Uh, and how do you feel like it worked for you? Yeah, well, I mean, first off, you know, a huge shout out to you and and the, the podcast here. I think, you know, for for me, this, this podcast was actually one of the biggest uh, resources that helped get me started on all sorts of things, training and uh training, scouting, hunting, all of it. Uh, this, this was a really big help to me. So, uh, part of the reason I was excited to be on, uh, I wanted to thank you for that. Um, but on, on training specifically, yeah, I'd heard about this book. I, I forget which podcast it was, but you had a, a fellow from Alaska and he mentioned this book, uh, or this, this approach to training as being helpful. Um, and so that kind of caught my, something about how he talked about it caught my attention and I ended up getting the book. I, and it's funny not to cut you off, but real quick, we actually, uh, I was just talking to someone about that episode and just, I just happened to know it offhand. I normally don't, but it's episode 268. Um, and it was with, uh, our friend Dave from Alaska, who's a mountaineer. So I just want to let in case listeners are hearing that like, what episodes he referring to I actually happened to know offhand by chance. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that was a great episode. Um, uh, yeah. So uh, I think the basic premise of that book is, you know, obviously mountaineering and hunting are somewhat different activities, but at, at the end of the day, uh, a lot of it is, you know, just being able to traverse really rugged country and gain a lot of elevation every day, um, you know, with some amount of weight on your back. So the basic approach to train, at least what I took from that book is, you know, really focusing on aerobic endurance and, you know, kind of taking the time to build that up over longer periods. Um, and what that, you know, I was, so I was doing things like, uh, you know, like a once a week kind of, uh, hike with, with weight up, up the steep, up and down the steepest hill I could find in the area. Um, and, you know, mixing in a little bit of, um, strengthening exercises, they actually recommend sprinting up a hill as like one way of uh, strengthening your legs, which is interesting. It's sort of a little bit different than I usually think of as strength, strength training, but um, that actually is sort of, as I was starting to hit a wall in terms of how far I could hike with, with, you know, like 30, 40 pounds on my back. Um, 
especially up the really steep hills. Um, that uh, exercise actually really felt like it helped me break through that wall. Um, and pretty much building, you know, a, a program of, of training around those two exercises um, that, you know, after um, a few months and they definitely like one of the things this book is, you know, I think it's aimed at people who their, their life is mountaineering and, you know, they, they start training in January and, you know, then <laughs> that's for, you know, their November, December, uh, climb. Um, but, you know, kind of taking that approach and sort of doing a sustainable amount every week, um, what, by the time it got to the, the summer sort of scouting season and, um, the actual hunt, I think I felt like, you know, I could happily hike in the mountains all day for days on end without being really sort of ground down. And that, you know, again, if I, again, if I knew what I was doing, I might have a very different perspective on all of these things, but by, you know, not really struggling just to be in the country, I was able to be a lot more um, kind of curious and, you know, open to changing my plans and, um, you know, figuring an area out rather than sort of having to have a plan and sort of grind, grind through it, which I think um, that probably would have been me um, if I hadn't found a way of, uh, you know, just physically getting to a point where hiking around with my pack all day wasn't, you know, I mean, it's not easy, but um, it's, you know, wasn't really grinding me down. Like I'd sort of jump up the next morning feeling pretty good. Mm -hmm. It's a good, uh, good insight to highlight. Cause some people, I don't know, people think about training in all different ways and some guys probably get sick of hearing talk about training. Other guys are super into it type thing, but what you just mentioned there about the training, basically giving you the capability to just kind of not have limits or at least physical limits. And then how that then translates to the freedom that that gives you while you're on a hunt to be able to go different places, not be limited by, you know, effort, things like that. Like that's, that's why you train, right? It's not just for like a climb or a pack out and all that stuff matters, but it's that day after day, having the energy, the stamina, the capability to kind of just keep exploring, which is a huge, huge game changer. Yeah, I, I definitely would agree with that from the, just sort of, I, I, you know, I had this moment kind of halfway, and I know this is jumping ahead a little bit, but, you know, five or six days into to my hunting trip, I, you know, I just, I was in this area and it just wasn't working out. And I'd sort of, I tried a bunch of different, you know, approaches and covered a lot of ground trying to find an area nearby that, that would be better. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and, you know, just sort of physically at that point, um, I was still, you know, completely excited to be there and, I, and, you know, didn't feel like, you know, I, it, the prospect of, you know, going to another area and, you know, sort of packing in however, you know, how, however many miles and, yeah, uh, back up into the mountains wasn't wasn't daunting at that point, and I, I could sort of imagine how I would have looked at things a little bit differently if I if I was a little more physically ground down at that point. Um, and so, yeah, I definitely, maybe not 
you know, fully intentionally, but this is where I'd ended up focusing on the training is just that kind of basic endurance to, you know, carry your normal pack, you know, sort of 40, 50 pounds, whatever that is. Once sort of all in with food, <laughs> my pack's a little heavy. Um, and I'm, I'm sure uh, you guys have probably will laugh at me, but I think, you know, sort of all, all in 45 to 50 pounds is what I'm hauling with you know, uh, sort of two weeks of food or whatever. Um, yeah, that's not, I mean, <laughs> food is like, food's the killer. Like I bet you have a really good, like base gear weight. It's, but yeah, when you're packing in food for those extended trips, there's just kind of no way to get around that. Well, there's definitely a few tweaks I'll make this year, but you know, it, it, you know, it's, it's a meaningful amount of weight and just, you know, getting really comfortable carrying that, um, is where I'd focused. I think also partly because, I, my, my own estimation of the odds of success was pretty low. <laughs> so I, I was very focused on how do I get myself to a place where I could be successful or where I can at least see what I should do differently next year to be successful or whatever. Um, I did do a little bit of training, just kind of working up to being able to carry, you know, sort of over a hundred pounds, something like that. But, you know, I've been in terms of like the overall you know, time I spent training very much focused on, you know, that, that like 40, 50 pound, you know, carry that, you know, get, getting to the point where carrying that, you know, eight, eight miles and uh, four or 5,000 feet up wasn't really uh, that challenging, or at least I could do it repeatedly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, every week. that's great, man. Really good. What did the, going back to that sprinting piece a little bit, what did that look like for you? Meaning how did you implement it? Was it, um, you know, just kind of doing like hill repeats, uh, maybe how did that scale through your training, whether that's the number of hill repeats or the distance of the sprints? Uh, yeah, just from your experience, what did that look like? Yeah, well, and I'm basically going to quote from the book here as best I can. So somebody who actually knows what they're doing can tell me all the things I'm doing wrong. But basically what you're trying to do is find the steepest hill you can. Um, and then sprint up it as hard as you can for eight to 10 seconds. And then, you know, sort of walk back down and do it again. So, and you do it and you do them in sort of sets of, I think the book starts out suggesting sets of four. And then, you know, you sort of work your way up to doing larger sets and more of them because the, the basic idea, as I understand it, is you're trying to encourage your uh, aerobic uh, muscle development and sort of, if you run, uh, longer than eight or 10 seconds, uh, you know, you're at that pace, you're obviously, uh, you know, you're, you're oxygen deprived. And so you're, it'll start to encourage your anaerobic metabolism. Um, mm-hmm. and so the, the exercise is actually the, the benefit from it is in the repetition or sort of the number you do. Um, and especially starting out, it's actually a funny one because you don't feel tired your legs don't feel tired but you feel winded at the end of it and then after a few weeks of doing it um i think i was doing it two twice a week um for a while uh after a few weeks doing it it switches to where your legs are really tired but you're no longer winded um so yeah basically uh doing as many repetitions as possible of that kind of very brief burst of activity Mm -hmm. um develops the the muscles in your legs in a way that's specifically optimized for them kind of going into more of an endurance 
or aerobic endurance training. Um, you know, just, which I did just by, you know, loading up my pack with rocks and carrying it. I always find it curious that, you know, you mentioned eight to 12 seconds, which guys may hear and think of, think that's not much, but again, if you're talking sprinting and an all out effort, uh, that's short duration. Um, you know, the, the guys who say, oh, I sprinted for, you know, two minutes. It's like, well, maybe you ran as fast as you could for a two minute duration, but I don't know that I'd call that a true sprint, right? Like it's something different. And yeah, when you get into the, uh, the energy systems that your body's using, uh, for those types of efforts, it's, it's different for sure. And even again, the muscular activation, um, cool. Yeah. I'll have to dig into that book. Like I said, it's been on uh, the reading list for quite some time. And I think you're going to push me over the edge to crack it open. Well, I, I have to compare it to, I'm not, uh, a, uh, you know, I, I wasn't, I, I wasn't, uh, you know, doing any kind of, certainly no, no sort of training or anything before, um, I, I sort of occasionally go on a hike or something, but, yeah. uh, so there may be more efficient ways of doing this, uh, especially optimized for hunting, but, uh, I definitely, you know, it, the, the insight I got from how your metabolism works from that, that book and how to sort of optimize a training program for it, uh, certainly seems like it helped me out a lot. Yeah. It's just one of the, for me, it's one of those things that keeps coming you know, for literally for years now from different conversations, different people, different contexts, it keeps coming back up. And again, I've been aware of it this whole time. And it's like, now I'm gosh, dang it. Stop hearing about it and go actually read it for yourself type thing. So, um, you mentioned, uh, a few pack tweaks, uh, or gear maybe, or food, uh, changes, tweaks to what goes into your pack for next time. So, uh, I heard you say that I wanted to elaborate what's, what's on the list for you in terms of tweaks, changes, uh, you're going to make for this upcoming season. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm just starting out. I have, um, you know, I've been, you know, piece by piece by buying different, different kinds of gear and trying to figure out what works for me. Uh, you know, and, you know, obviously the first, a big part of that journey initially was figuring out packs themselves. Uh, so going into last year, I had, you know, I obviously had the EXO pack and, you know, uh, everything, you know, sleeping bag, tent, whatever that, that you need. Um, but you know, like I'm, I think biggest thing on my mind for this year, um, is figuring out a lighter weight shelter system. Um, you know, I have a Kelty two man tent, um, which I've actually, you know, I can't, can't say it's let me down. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, you know, and, and it's, it's about the right size. And I think the main thing with it is, you know, it's, uh, it's heavy and a little bit bulky to pack, um, you know, with, with all the poles and stuff. So I'm hoping I can find something a little bit slimmer. Um, and, um, uh, also kind of looking at, yeah, especially having tried a couple different approaches to hunting, uh, you know, better, uh, better binoculars. <laughs> I've got a, a, a basic pair of Nikon, uh, uh, you know, a eight, eight by eight by forties or something that, you know, again, sort of work pretty well, but, um, definitely saw the limitations of those, um, you know, when I'm, when I was trying to glass, you know, the larger basins and stuff or sort of look, pick apart more uh, dense country, like sort of uh, with, whether it was with trees or just, you know, kind of rocks and brush everywhere. So those are the two main things. Um, 
I, I think the, the other favorite topic is always boots. Uh, I'm actually sort of, I experimented with a couple pairs and actually found a relatively cheap pair of Timberland boots, which seem to work pretty well. Um, so I'm sort of torn between, you know, sticking with them and figuring out, um, you know, better, you know, just kind of paying attention to my feet and what, uh, what, you know, <laughs> how to keep myself going for, for, you know, 10 or 12 days, but, um, and sort of maybe, uh, trying some nicer boots, but, you know, uh, what I have seems to be working at least okay in that department, which, um, um, you know, I've definitely had trouble in the past with, uh, you know, just keeping, getting boots that fit and keeping that going. Although I can't say I've tried anything particularly nice. Yeah, man, I love it. As much as we talk about all the cool gear and a lot of times high-end gear, it's still, and we try to communicate this on a somewhat regular basis. It's at the end of the day, use what you have, you know, or what you can get, what you can afford and don't let gear be the excuse from going and having the experience. And uh, Steve and I have the luxury of, you know, over many years upgrading gear. And so sometimes we do have, you know, really nice kind of everything, but that definitely wasn't always the case. And it's like, get out there and spend time as much as you spend money or ideally, obviously more than you spend money, spend time. Uh, not only because that's what it's about is the experience, but um, one thing I think about and from my own experiences early on, if I would have had the budget to buy high-end everything, and I certainly didn't, but I also wouldn't have had the, the experience knowledge piece to back that up. And so sometimes it's like, guys spend a lot of money on high-end stuff and it's like, well, maybe, maybe you would have preferred something else, right? Like if you would have had more time to kind of compare and find weaknesses and preferences and all that stuff. So I just kind of want to highlight that. Well, and that's where the, just, you know, we're spending, spending time in the mountains um, has, has served me well, sort of figuring out kind of what, what, what works and what doesn't. And like, like with that tent, I mean, it, it, I really can't say it's let me down in any, any way other than the fact that, you know, it weighs about four pounds, um, which, yeah, you know, that's a, maybe that's, maybe, maybe I can shave two pounds off of that and make it a little easier to pack into my bag. But, um, two pounds is not, not, not a uh, trip stopper by any means. Yeah, for sure. Let's um let's start to hear some of the story from this hunt that you uh, had emailed us about, and yeah, kick pick that up wherever you want. It, there's uh, some definitely very unique moments in it, but uh, maybe just again like a little bit of context for uh, the timing of it, how you decided where you were going, uh, kind of a little bit of the pre-trip leading to kicking off the story here. Sure. Yeah. So. As I, as I mentioned earlier, sort of East Cascades, um, you know, was looking for mule deer um, and, you know, sort of trying to figure out uh, where, where to even head. Um, but I'd done uh, a, a few scouting trips, as we've been talking about, and kind of had a general area that I won't say I knew it was good, but I, I knew I understood the area and I'd seen deer tracks. Um, so, you know, I figured I was, you know, in terms of selecting an area, um, you know, I'd been obviously spending a lot of time staring at maps and, uh, you know, satellite imagery earlier in the year. And, um, 
but I, I would say that I was probably picking areas more or less at random. Um, but, you know, having made a couple trips in and, you know, seen something that, you know, see there's, you know, seeing some sign and, um, you know, figuring I could probably make something happen. Um, you know, I was looking at spending, you know, just the way my, my job and vacation works, I was able to get, uh, kind of a, a, a longer, uh, like a, a 10, 10 day hunt was a little easier to pull off than sort of multiple shorter ones. So, um, kind of concentrating everything into a later September, uh, you know, basically the last half of the archery, uh, mule deer season in Washington, uh, at least in that area. Um, and, uh, the real wrench in the works on all of this was the wildfires. So, um, one of the areas I've been thinking about going into, uh, actually ended up burning. Uh, and so sort of like I'd scouted that area and I sort of thought I knew what I was doing. It was all set to go, had a plan, you know, I've even found like some nice, some nice, you know, glassing spots right over some promising looking deer beds. I was like, this is, this is going to be great. <laughs> uh, it was all figured out. Um, and then of course, you know, sort of that area, um, wasn't accessible to me. So kind of last minute change of plans, uh, had to head somewhere else in the same general area, but you know, different, different access, different, different elevation, you know, kind of really didn't know what I was getting into. Um, but, uh, so the first half of my hunt honestly was just kind of going into an area that I thought might make sense. Uh, that was a little lower elevation and kind of thickly forested, um, and trying to figure out how to make it work. Um, so, you know, I was seeing tracks and stuff around, but I couldn't figure out kind of a good area to, to, to glass. And I couldn't find like good spots to even do like a, you know, kind of ambush style hunting either. Like those sort of choke points. I just wasn't seeing a lot of density in the sign. So I couldn't find like a spot where, um, you know, the deer were concentrating or, uh, you know, moving back and forth between two areas. Uh, I, you know, I was just sort of hiking around trying to find different, uh, you know, strategies and spots. And I even, you know, kind of nearly stepped on some deer working my way down the slope, but it was so thick. Uh, you know, there was even, I don't see how I could have kind of spotted them, uh, and then worked in, but, you know, the, that was the, basically the first half of my hunt was me sort of crashing around trying to figure out, uh, what to do in this country and then kind of concluding that, uh, I couldn't figure it out and that I'd better try something else. <laughs> so this, when you say like the first half of your hunt, you're talking the first three, four or five days is kind of five days. I think, yes, yeah, so, so I, I could be five or six. I forget exactly, but somewhere, okay. somewhere in that neighborhood. What's your, what's your mindset like then? Um, and again, to relate this to guys who go on a hunt and they're either not having the encounters or not seeing the animals, or maybe they are making mistakes and blowing opportunities, but you know, a lot of guys will go into a hunt and by day three, four, five, six, they're starting to like get down, you know, where you mentally doubting things or were you just kind of still 
positive of like, this is great. I'm out here. I'm learning. This is, you know, uh, an amazing place, amazing experience. Like what's your mindset at day five, six after this? I mean, I, I, I obviously I was a little bit like uh, down, maybe too strong a word for it, but you know, you're, you know, you're, it's like trying to, like, I felt like I was running into a wall, figuring the area out. Um, but it was, I mean, I think the, just being out in the mountains is incredible. And, you know, I was finding interesting things and, um, you know, just enjoying being there, um, you know, like sort of worst case scenario, right. You're, you know, camped, camped in some woods by a beautiful little Creek. Like, uh, (laughs) that's not a bad trip in itself. Um, so I don't think, and like we were talking about earlier, I think because, I wasn't, um, you know, really pushing it physically. I think that also has a pretty big effect. Um, you know, I was, you know, maybe I wasn't happy that I hadn't figured the area out, but I was also, you know, very, very much excited to keep trying. And, you know, whether that was, you know, as I ultimately ended up changing to a different spot, um, you know, keep trying different strategies in that area and then try something else. Uh, you know, I was, I, I was pretty excited about that. And, uh, I think some of the things that kept me going, uh, even though I really wasn't seeing, I think, you know, I, I nearly stepped on a couple deer and I saw some tracks, but the amount of ground I was covering, um, you know, I wasn't seeing an obvious kind of concentration of sign. And I think even, even though I was seeing that, like, or you know, wasn't seeing that, uh, you know, just the, I guess the, the attitude that, um, I like the reason things weren't working, you know, probably had to do with, you know, my lack of knowledge in a way was motivating to me. It's like, this is sort of having, having, uh, you know, it's, uh, having, having the view that it's definitely possible. I just haven't figured it out yet, I guess. Mm. Uh, that's what kept me going. Yeah, that's good. So was it then at this point in the trip, you mentioned changing areas? Yeah. So, you know, I'd sort of, you know, I tried, I'd tried quite a few things and, um, the, the country, I couldn't figure out a strategy for, for hunting the kind of country, uh, that sort of thicker country that I thought I could pull off. Um, and so, yeah, I decided I had kind of a little higher elevation to a spot with, uh, that looked a little bit more like where I'd been scouting before. So kind of not like closer to the tree line, uh, a little bit thinner forest, you know, sort of more, more prospects of glassing basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, headed, headed down the road uh, a ways to um, another spot and hiked in. Um, and <laughs> that also, um, that was sort of immediately as I was kind of heading in, um, it felt better about the, the area just because it sort of, I thought I had a strategy for hunting. Like I could see a strategy for hunting it. Um, but that's also partly informed by all of the things I tried that didn't work in the previous area. So you just had an assessment, right. On changing or thinking like, okay, I'm in this area. And as you said, you've, seen some deer, encountered some deer, seen some tracks, but from a strategic perspective, here's, here's the downside to 
this area, this type of terrain, this type of cover. Um, and making that decision is, you know, that's great. Like just realizing those things, uh, again, early on, I, I think you're, um, you're aware of your lack of experience. <laughs> you, you know, you've said that multiple times, but I think you've, you know, in so many ways, like are making really, really good decisions, you know? Well, and it's, I mean, it, it's, it's informed by like these, these lessons, like, at least for me, you know, the, the time, it, you know, a couple of days in the field is incredibly valuable as a, as a learning experience. Um, you know, kind of, as I said, every, every trip, my, you know, I'd have, I'd go through, you know, three or four different plants over the course of that trip. Uh, and, you know, kind of walk out with a, a better one kind of informed by that experience. So, um, <laughs> which sort of, so I was immediately feeling better about the, the next area, but, uh, immediately also probably, uh, made a very costly mistake in that, you know, I'd planned to hike up onto what looked from the satellite imagery, like a completely kind of dead burnt out basin. Um, you know, I figured it was, you know, honestly, this is where like satellite photos and, uh, topo maps can be a little misleading when you're looking at them, you know, kind of interpreted this basin as being sort of a bench, <laughs> a burned off bench on a dry mountainside is basically what I thought I was uh, hiking up to as sort of a stop off point to, uh, you know, hi my plan was to kind of hike, hike in there, kind of camp, and then climb up to the ridge above and glass down into another basin. Um, and as I, as soon as I climbed up into this basin, it was just covered in deer tracks and it was a lot bigger and a lot greener, <laughs> uh, than I'd assumed. And I think that, um, I have a feeling that it was probably, uh, full of deer until I came crashing up through there. Um, and I'm just sort of glad no one else was hunting in the area as far as I can tell, cause they would have been real happy with me. Um, <laughs> but, Came in like a wrecking ball. Yep. Just sort of rolled in there. <laughs> so, so, so if I dropped a pin on that for next year, uh, not, not gonna, not gonna take that approach again. Um, but having, having thoroughly blown out that basin, I figured, you know, sort of might as well, might as well stay there um, and figure things out. But that, that, that definitely led me to kind of reassess uh, what to look for and how to approach things. I think, um, you know, definitely I'll be a lot more cautious, even on the sort of little benches and, and basins that don't actually look all that promising. Um, you know, I think I'll be a little bit more kind of circumspect in how I approach them in the future. But yeah, so I, you know, camped out there and again, like, like the previous area, I was just sort of bouncing around trying different things like, you know, client climbing up to glass in the evening, um, exploring around during the day, kind of getting up, you know, before sunrise and going to the best spot I could think of, uh, to glass in the mornings. Um, how, when you say that, how are you choosing your, uh, camp spot? in relation to like glassing points or was that a factor you were thinking through? Well, I, I think that in this case I'd sort of 
blown out a basin and kind of learned my lesson of like, I don't actually know what is a good area and what isn't. Mm. Um, so I basically camped in the spot I knew I'd blown. <laughs> right. And then kind of carefully started scouting outward from there. Um, I think in the future, um, I'll probably think about it a little differently. Um, you know, find, I think they're looking for, I, I think I would look for um, the glasses, like sort of ridges or um, knobs up above some of the uh, basins that I think, or bases and benches and you know, maybe um, try to, you know, load, load up a, load up as much water as I can and hike up to there for, um, you know, at least a day or two um, as quietly as I can. I think I might try that approach. And I think uh, anybody who knows what they're doing with mule deer hunting is probably laughing right now because I'm pretty sure that's like the, the, the first thing you're told to do. <laughs> but, um, in terms of like, so at the time it really was just, I knew I'd ruined it, ruined that area. And I, I wanted to be very careful about not doing that anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was sort of sticking there in, in the future. I think, um, I'll probably have a strategy a little bit more, or at least I will try a strategy, uh, a little bit more optimized around, uh, you know, basically camping at a good glassing spot or as close to one as I can, um, with, you know, as much water as I can carry. When does this, uh, I'm staring at this photo right now that you had sent me, which is like, kind of makes the hair stand up on my arms of a mountain lion with a deer and you're 20 feet away. And literally this mountain (laughs) lion has a deer by the neck. And this is like such a crazy experience and story that you had. And you even have some video uh, of part of this experience, but like, when did this happen and tell us about it? Like it's oh, unreal. Yeah, that was actually, so, you know, we were talking about how, like I had some incredible experiences scouting and this probably has to be <laughs> the, the, the it's like one. A, literally like one of those once in a lifetime. Yeah. Tell us the story. Yeah. So uh, this was, yeah. Jumping back a bit. This is, um, you know, I was scouting an area, um, earlier in in the year and yeah it 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 was one of it you know i'd been i was well off the trail and i had a you know rough day kind of trying to find my way into various basins and kind of get a sense of the lay of the land and you know i i i was just relaxing in in camp in the evening watching the sunset across the creek and you know i you know i'm I'm well off the trail so you know it's like beautifully quiet and you know whatever and I hear this scream right behind me. <laughs> and at the first thought that kind of crossed my mind for whatever reason was, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, a couple people like fooling around and, and, and but I was like, but it was like, I was so far <laughs> off. Trail, I was like, what is going on? But anyway, like in that split second, I was very confused, but it sort of spun around and there's this cloud of dust and a, a deer lying on the ground kicking. And I'm staring at it. And this is why I started taking that video. Cause I'm like, what is up with this deer? So when you started the video, you were only aware of the deer. Yeah. I, I, wow. it, and, and, and I think in, in, in the video, like my, uh, there's sort of part way in like the, 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 I dropped the camera and I think that, or sort of lowered the camera for a, a second. I think that's when I realized that there was a second face staring back at me. <laughs> yeah. 
And then I realized what was going on when I see it. So, so yeah, a mountain lion had jumped the deer right behind me. And what I don't know is sort of how long the mountain lion had been standing there eyeing me um, before, but I, it, or if it had just sort of followed the deer down. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it was uh, sort of right behind me. And, and then I'm trying to figure out what to do. Cause I was like, I, I was barefoot and drying my boots out. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's actually, it was sort of between me and the tent. It, it's literally in the middle of my campsite that this thing happened. So wow. I've got my, like, I've got my boots off. I've got my gear scattered everywhere. Um, and I'm trying to figure out, you know, do I like try to back away and just, you know, enjoy a really long barefoot walk back to the car, uh, <laughs> or, uh, you know, or what do I do? So. I ended up running around and grabbing my walking stick uh, and then uh, yelling at it to chase it away. Cause I figured the deer seemed to be still doing okay. And the mountain lion was probably gonna be more trouble if it had a fresh kill in the middle of my camp. Um, so yeah, I ended up making a snap decision to try and chase it away and it jumped up and ran away. And I wish I had that part on video because they are incredible animals. Uh, just how they move and um, you know, how they're, they're, they're not small. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, but yeah, that was, that, you know, that was just, that was scouting. (laughs) Dude. So did the, the, you chased the mountain lion off Did the deer, you said the deer seemed to be okay. It got up and flood. Yep. It, it, it jumped up and ran the other way. Um, so that, which was a relief, (laughs) but I, I was uh, later in that same trip, I had deer wandering through my camp, which, would have been the highlight of the trip if the other thing hadn't happened. Um, and, but the whole time I'm just like lying there listening to the deer and waiting for a mountain, for the mountain lion to come yeah. back. Wow. Yeah. I don't know uh, if it's cool. Maybe we'll share the photo if it, if it's okay to do so. Yeah, uh, so that people can go see it. But... Just a still from the video. And I was, I wasn't doing a great job with uh, shooting the video there. So. Well, yeah. In the moment I, I would be the same if not, significantly significantly worse that's crazy man especially once i realized what was going on yeah all right so i I don't want to like skip stuff but again i could ask you questions for days here uh and in the end you had a successful hunt and so let's dive back into the hunts um and and hear how things went down because again the solo backcountry hunt traditional bow new hunter and at the end of the day you're coming out with a a punch tag and a heavy pack so tell us how it went down it was indeed a heavy pack uh yeah so i've just been camped in the in the basin i'd uh you know sort of ruined for me and anyone else in the area um and scouting around kind of basically up the ridges on either side to peer into the other basins and um, and I think it was, this was probably like nine, nine days or so. in. so I was, ge- I was getting pretty close to the end of my hunt. And, you know, at that point, I think I was just hoping that I would spot a deer and then that would be success, especially if I could then attempt a stock and blow it. Like that was sort of, you know, I, 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 I was having a pretty good time and, you know, that would have been like, as far as I was concerned, an entirely successful trip. Um, but uh, so I'd climbed up uh, to the ridge above one of the basins in the area uh, before, before sunrise and was, was kind of glassing. And I'd seen a lot of bears in the area. Like I knew they were around. Um, I'm pretty sure I'd heard them kind of walking around my tent at night. Um, 
And I'd certainly seen them run, sort of running the circuit through the basins, um, you know, over the previous couple of days. So I knew they were in the area. Um, and, you know, I, but I, so I was sitting there glassing, kind of looking for deer uh, and, um, you know, heard, heard, heard the clatter of one kind of working through the basin below. Um, and, you know, I was kind of watching it and, you know, sort of lost track of it for a bit and was keep, you know, I'm looking again, because I was sort of, looking, I was looking for deer the whole time. Um, and you know, but I wasn't seeing any. <laughs> um, and I, you know, eventually like spotted the bear again or another one, um, on the slope across from me, I uh, ended up spotting three, just kind of feeding on the, on the slope on the other side of the basin. And, you know, it's sort of getting on towards like eight thirty, nine o'clock and I'm, you know, not seeing anything. And it's, it's figured, you know, well, see, you know, I, I've only got a day or two left here. So maybe, maybe I'll just see if I can make something happen here. Um, cause I had the bear tag. Um, and so at that point I just, you know, tried to hike around to find it. Of course you lose track of them immediately when you're moving. Um, and, but I kind of had a general sense of where they were and they seemed to be staying put, um, on that slope. So kind of hiked my way around as quickly and quietly as I could. And, you know, it was kind of, couldn't see them obviously. Uh, but you know, I was peering down to the other basins where they might've gone if they crossed over, uh, and left where I'd seen them. And I didn't see them down there in, on the other side of the mountain. So figured there was a chance that they were still on the slope. Um, so, uh, I just kind of dropped my pack and started still hunting away my way along the slope and kind of lucked. I, I <laughs> basically got lucky, uh, you know, kind of as I was working my way along uh, about 50 yards below me, I, I see this pine tree just kind of shaking <laughs> uh, and getting demolished by this bear. Um, and uh, I think, that was a very surreal moment because it was sort of where in my kind of understanding or expectations about what the hunt might be kind of really shifted from, well, maybe I'll see something to hang on a minute. I'm 50 yards upslope from a, a bear. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, you know, it was sort of mid morning. So the thermals were really working in my favor. Um, and I, you know, took my boots off and started creeping my way down the slope towards it. Um, it was a pretty open slope, but uh, it was sort of in this pine tree and kind of very distracted. So I was able to get up pretty close to when about, I would guess 12 yards, give or take. Um, although I can't say that I, I ranged it. <laughs> um but close, uh, very close to, to where it was. And I got caught out in the open. I was trying to work my way towards a little rock and just short of that, it, I guess, lost interest in the tree and walked out. Um, but didn't notice me, um, for whatever reason, I think, uh, and, you know, then it, it put its head down behind a rock, um, and I was able to uh, draw back. I was a perfect, it really lucked out with the situation in terms of, you know, if you're a, 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 a new archery hunter, this is sort of the shot you hope for, you know, 12 yards broadside um, with, you know, it's, and it had its head down behind a rock so it couldn't see me. 
but I think in my excitement, I overdrew and dropped my arrow <laughs> oh, wow. um, at that point. Uh, and then it, it knew something was up at that point. So it kind of, you know, popped up and was looking at me and, uh, but there again, I don't, I, I think, you know, it, it was, I, I don't think this is my skill here. I think I really got lucky it, whether because the, you know, I was so close and the wind was perfect, so it couldn't smell me. Uh, and it, you know, decided that there's no way I could be anything other than a really noisy bush or, you know, I don't, for whatever reason, it, after peering at me for a while, it decided that nothing was going on and went back to what it was doing before. So I was able to pick up my arrow and, and make the shot then. Um, but uh, that was uh, sort of com comedy of errors moment in hindsight anyway. Um, but, uh, you know, once, once, it, once I picked up my arrow, I was able to make a good shot. And uh, it, I think it, it ran about 50 yards and then started rolling down the mountainside basically, um, which, and, and then I realized like, <laughs> then it really hit me just like how, uh, how surreal the, the whole moment was. Um, but, uh, you know, that I think, you know, going, especially having gone through the whole journey of, you know, starting out with compound and then switching to the recurve bow, which was a real struggle, like getting to the point where I felt like I could make any shot, you know, first time, uh, from an unknown position and distance and, you know, all of that to just kind of feeling completely convinced that the, the, the shot was going to work out as I was drawing back, uh, you know, to, to shoot was, was quite something. Um, and, you know, sort of realizing like I'd been kind of eye, eye to eye with a bear, uh, very much on it, on its own level there. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so cool, man. You mentioned Rond on the Hill, talk through a little bit about recovery, I guess, not only in terms of logistics, but also, you know, putting your hands on the animal for the first time too, as well. Yeah. Um, well, I was, you know, it was, it was a pretty open mountainside. So I think, you know, one of the, it was in terms of tracking, it was very straightforward. I, I could pretty much kind of watch, see where it had gone. Um, but uh, the, the, once I got down to it, I think that's where the, the challenge started. Cause, um, you know, I don't think it was a particularly big bear, but, uh, it was big enough. And the, uh, and this is, and obviously I think that this is a, a black bear, um, probably, uh, obvious from context, but, um, you know, so they're, they're not huge, um, but they're, you know, it was kind of propped on the mountainside. And as soon as I started to try and maneuver it, um, to do anything or just to figure out what I was going to do. Uh, because, <laughs> you know, I'd sort of, I, I can't, I, I'd you know, done a little bit of research and had like some preparation for being successful, but it was definitely not my expectation. Um, and so, you know, I'm just starting to try and figure out what on earth am I going to do now? Um, I, you know, I was poking at it and started rolling down the mountainside again. Um, and, you know, just to get it to a place where, you know, I had a stable spot to work was, um, you know, I sort of rolled it down and eventually fetched up underneath a little pine tree, which was turned out to be really good. Cause that actually gave me shade to work. Um, and it was, uh, took me about, 
I, I think I, I, you know, I shot the bear around 1030 and it pretty much took me until three or four in the afternoon to get it you know, skinned and quartered. Um, you know, I was uh, sort of le learning on the job, if you will, um, you know, kind of had a general idea of what I was supposed to do, but certainly had never, never dealt with an animal of that size uh, before. So, man. So you said three or four in the afternoon, did you get packed out that evening then? Yeah. So, you know, I got it kind of quartered and, uh, you know, processed down and, uh, that was, it was getting pretty late in the afternoon by that point. And so what, there was no way I was going to get it out that night. Um, so I just packed it down to kind of the bottom of the basin, which was at the same elevation as, as my camp. Uh, but you know, next basin over. And, um, I was a little worried about the God, cause I knew that there were at least two other bears in the area. <laughs> so, but there wasn't, you know, it's kind of these, you know, the higher, higher elevation burned out basin. You know, there were a few kind of burned snags and stuff, but there wasn't really anything uh, I could figure out to hang, you know, more than a hundred pounds of bear meat, uh, on, um, and so I just, you know, spread it out on, on some rocks, um, with some rocks that were very clearly visible from the ridge above, because <laughs> mm. there's a lot of, you know, kind of low brush and stuff. Um, and I didn't want to be walking up on it, um, without, uh, you know, a good view of what was going on. So I just sort of spread it out on some rocks and crossed my fingers. Um, but, and then kind of worked back to my camp, um, and it was the next day. So it was the next day that I was packing out the, I wasn't too worried about the, the meat spoiling. Although again, I don't, you know, I don't have a lot of experience here, but it was dropping down to near freezing or below freezing every night. Um, you know, the ground was often frozen solid when I was getting up. So I figured it would get pretty cold overnight. Um, and, you know, I, I thought that I could probably, uh, you know, I had, had, you know, the time I needed, uh, there, but yeah, definitely worried about, um, bears or something else coming along, uh, mm -hmm. and getting to that night. Did you have a, uh, when you crawled in to your tent that night, did you have kind of like a final moment of, Oh crap, all that really just happened. <laughs> I think the, the entire time, <laughs> the entire time. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely, no, it, but yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, sort of, especially when, you know, when you get like, finally got back to camp and was just sort of eating dinner and reflecting on the day. Cause of course, you know, I'd been, uh, quite busy, um, sure. the whole day. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Sort of another, another moment of, uh, of, you know, I kind of, I guess reliving the moment that had just happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you may have said in there and I, I may have missed a bit. What day was this on the trip then? Like day eight, nine, I think I, I, Somewhere in there. I think this was, oh, it was, it was, uh, it was I think I, I shot the bear on a Friday and I had to be, uh, you know, I, I needed to be home by Sunday evening. So, you know, it was, it was coming pretty well up to the wire. Um, so how did the pack out go next day? Sounds like it was Saturday. <laughs> how did, uh, yes. how did that go? Possibly the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, but not that that's saying much, but the, yeah, it was, the pack out was definitely a challenge, uh, you know, and I was really glad that I'd trained as much as I had, you know, I think I hadn't trained a huge amount with the heavier weight, 
but I, you know, I was pretty confident that I could walk seven or eight miles, at least on a relatively, you know, decent trail with, you know, over a hundred pounds. Um, but you know, I hadn't done a huge amount of training and the first mile or so down to get to the trail, you know, was, uh, probably more than a thousand feet down and, you know, just sort of scrambling down a mountainside. Uh, so getting, getting the first load of meat down to the trail, um, was very hard. <laughs> um, but I think by, uh, you know, and I broke it up. It was definitely two trips. Like I had the, the load with the meat and then I had a lighter load that was the skin and head plus all my gear. Um, and so I basically decided I was going to do like a heavy load, then a lighter load and kind of leapfrog it out. Um, so I got everything to the trail by about noon. And then I had, you know, sort of, I forget what it was like five miles to go, maybe six. Um, and, you know, kind of, I think I got everything out to the, tra the trailhead by eight, eight, 8 PM that night. Um, so yeah, that day was definitely, I think it was, you know, it was a 20, 20 miles, two trips back and forth. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was, uh, very glad of the, the practice I'd had kind of with the, you know, with, with the pack and figuring out how to do, you know, sort of heavier loads with it. And then also just, you know, I think the, like we were, we were talking earlier about the endurance training and how, like, even though that's not training specifically for carrying, you know, a hundred plus pounds, it's like that had kind of, I felt like sort of partway through that training, I felt like I hit this point where, you know, I could do a hard hike and then almost as soon as I drop my pack, like I'm starting to feel better again. Whereas like, you know, when I first started out, you know, I would do one of these training hikes and then I would come home and just collapse mm -hmm. and you know, be a wreck for the next couple of days. And in that situation, you know, especially, you know, when you know you have multiple trips, it's like, you know, yeah, I got the, I got the meat out and then I had to hike back in and get, you know, the rest of my gear out. And so, you know, being, you know, I don't, I don't, I won't say I was not feeling great hiking back in, <laughs> mm -hmm. but, you know, I was able to hike back in. Uh, and so I think that kind of, you know, just being ready for, you know, the repeated efforts, I think it, it certainly for me was key, you know, cause you know, starting, cause it's starting from the day before, you know, I've been hauling stuff around and. Well, no, I mean, not even the day before this is day eight and day nine, right? Like this is coming on the end of being in the mountains for more than a week. Like that's, yeah, that's a lot of demand. Yeah. So I think, uh, that's definitely something, you know, again, I'll, maybe I'll change my perspective with more experience and how I sort of optimize and train for all this stuff. But, uh, definitely one, one thing I took away from this was, you know, sort of train for that multi-day endurance, you know, just being able to you know, hike again and again and again. Um, yeah. so, well, well done, man. That's awesome. That's, uh, there's so much in here that I've even taken away from this. I know, I know listeners have listeners will. So thanks again for taking the time to share the story. Um, man, I feel like we've covered so much that said, is there anything else kind of like sticking out in your mind that, uh, we didn't hit that you maybe want to share before I let you go here? We're already at an hour plus. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think, 
Uh, no, I think we've covered most of it. Um, just, you know, being out in the amount in the mountains is, is incredible and, uh, I can't wait to get back. Um, and I think, you know, it, you know, having just having, you know, very recently been in this, this position of, you know, not being sure how or where to start and, you know, just going for it and spending time in the mountains to figure, figure things out. I know like having, having the luxury of being able to visit, you know, places where I might hunt more easily. I think that, that helps there, but, uh, you know, time, time in the field is, is, uh, definitely, uh, a, a good teacher, uh, if you're sort of in, in a position like me where, you know, interested, uh, but, you know, don't have, don't have a, have somebody to uh, take you out and show you the ropes. So, you know, for, for, that was definitely, um, for anyone in that position, uh, I still sort of feel like I'm in that position, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think the, the experience of, uh, being out and, uh, figuring things out is itself kind of really satisfying and, uh, you know, rewarding. Well, that is a great way to cap an amazing story. Congrats again to Patrick. Thanks to him for sharing the story. And thanks to you guys, as always, for tuning in. If you have a listener story for us, whether that's something that's happened already or keep it in mind for the future. If you have a cool story to share from this year's hunts, reach out anytime and let us know. Just send an email to podcast at exomontgear.com. If you haven't yet, hit that subscribe or follow button in your podcast app so that you receive future episodes automatically. And we'll talk to you soon.